So how many are ready for God's word this morning? Let me see your hands. Amen? We are in a series starting today, and it is a series that you have forced me to teach. Because we, back at Easter, we said, what do you want to know about? Right? We put out the surveys. We asked a couple of questions. It was very interesting. I found out through that survey, there are 11 different languages spoken in Hope Church. Uh, they're, they're, we're not clowning pig Latin, okay? But there were 11 languages that were spoken in Hope Church. And, and your questions were predictable. And why do you say that? Because I've been a pastor a long time. And if I ask people, what do you really want to know about? Guarantee you, this is what I'm here. Tell us about the last days. When is Jesus coming back? Are we living in the end times? That was the number one question by far that you brought. So, and it was, it was interesting because it was followed up by help me, I'm stressed. I think there's something to do with that. So we are going to deal with, uh, over the next two, three weeks, uh, are we living in the end times? Is this, is this the time that uh, Jesus Christ is coming back? You know, it's interesting the question uh, that comes because that was really the method Jesus did so often. If you read the Gospels and you read the, the sayings of Jesus, then uh, quite often they were as a result of questions from others. He was engaging them where they were, and then he was teaching them about the kingdom of God. And the number one question you asked, the number one question they asked was, when is the end coming? And it makes sense because if you spend any time at all you know, following your news feed and, or, or, or watching the evening news or whatever, you know, it seems like there's so many signs happening in the world today that we recognize in the Bible that say, you know, Christ could be returning soon. We, we hear of wars and rumors of wars. There, there's terror that we never talked about as much as we talk about these days. Disasters, uh, earthquakes, things like this. Moral decline. I thought it was interesting last night. Denise and I sat down after a long day and uh, the evening news popped on. And I counted during the news three separate commercials on antidepressant medication. And I think that may say something about the day we're living in, right? But there are things that are happening that we're looking at. Uh, famine, disease, words we never even heard of, Ebola, Zika. You know, all these things are affecting us. And CNN did this recent survey with Time Magazine. And literally a third of the people in the United States are tying the events we're living in right now to their knowledge of what they know about the Bible. And they're asking the question, could we be living in the last days? So... What we want to do is we want to come and say, we don't want to know what Hollywood says about this. We don't want to know about uh, people who have a, just their opinions about this. We want to know what the Word of God says, because at Hope, we honor the Word of God. Amen? So let's pray, and let's look at what the Word of God would say to us today. Father, God, I thank you. I thank you for the privilege of serving with some amazing people that love you, God, and God, are, are, are believing, God, that, Lord, while it is still day, God, we're going to be active, Lord, telling others about you and about how they can come into the kingdom of God and, and know our gracious, merciful, heavenly Father. And I just pray this morning, God, that as we open our hearts and minds, God, that, Lord, God, you will, you will bring us into a focus, God, Lord, that you would want us to live in, God, in that, in that tension of this day, Father, that, Lord, we, you would desire for us. So, God, I pray God, speak through me, God. God, I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for your word. And I just pray, God, that our ears will be open and that our hearts will be ready to respond. God, I love you and I give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What does the Bible say? You know, a lot of people um, don't even talk about this topic, don't want to talk about this topic. They think it's for crazy people that live up on the mountain somewhere that are bunkering down and can live on rations for like three years if something happens. You know, it's kind of for those, that crazy set. But the Bible, it's interesting that one out of every 30 verses in the Bible speaks about the second coming of Jesus Christ. It speaks about the return of our Savior to this earth someday to take the church, to take the, the bride of Christ with him, and then bring the new heavens and the new earth where we will live for eternity. 
In fact, 216 chapters in the New Testament, there, there, there are 300 references to the end times, 300 references to Christ returning. 23 out of 27 books in the New Testament speak of the coming of Christ. And then there's Revelation. And uh, if, you, if you read Revelation, that's just all about what's happening after Christ returns. And uh, yes, we could study Revelation, but I've learned with studying Revelation, you do it in pencil. Because there's a lot, of, a lot of speculation, a lot of assumptions, a lot of beliefs, different beliefs out there. And, and it's important that we read it. But you know what? If we're living in Revelation, can I tell you, it's too late. We're already there. All right? So we're not focusing on Revelation in this series. We'll talk about it. But I'm telling you, what, what I'd like to do is focus on what does Jesus say? And what does the Bible give us that we can understand about these end times? And really what we're asking is, and what most people ask is simply this. They're saying, well, what time is it? How much time do I have? You know, hey, if Christ is coming back tomorrow, I may need to change some things in my life. I think that would be the, the speculation that a lot of people might have. So really what we're trying to answer is, really, what time is it? Because even Jesus' disciples asked this question, and it was what everybody want to know. Do I have more time, and how should I be living? Now, I know this is a serious subject. You should see your faces right now. Usually are all like smiling, like, come on, give me the word, Pastor. You're like, he's talking about this. So here's a joke. We've got to start out something funny because there's nothing funny after this, okay? Two pastors, all right? Two opposing churches. You've seen this. You drive through a little small town. One side of the road is the Baptist. One side is the Methodist or the Lutherans, Episcopals, whatever denomination. They're right across the street, right? And usually they compete with their signs. You've seen that. The Holiness Church. The true holiness church. The first of the beloved. No, the very first of the beloved. And all this kind of So there's these two pastors, and they were out on Saturday getting their signs ready to compete. And they ended up being out there at the same time. And one pastor, he was putting the sign in the yard in front of the church, and the sign said, turn yourself around before it's too late. And the other guy looked across the street, read his sign, he goes out and gets his sign, and he puts it in the yard and stares at him, and it says, the end is near. And right about that time, a car comes by and it's full of a bunch of teenagers going out to have a good time. they got their windows rolled down and they see the signs and they start screaming at these two pastors, you freaks, you crazy old men, what's wrong with you? And they go around the curve and all of a sudden you hear a squeal of brakes and a splash. The pastors look at each other and said, hmm, we should have just said the bridge is out. That's funny, come on, come on. That's about the last funny thing today. All right, so Matthew 24, I like that one. Matthew 24, it says this in verse 3, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? They, they wanted to know when and what, right? It's the same thing we want to know today, but Jesus gave them the what, but he did not give them the when. He gave them the what, listen, but he did not give them the when. Can I tell you, every generation has thought they were living in the last days. Read the Bible. Paul, Peter, you know, Jesus is coming back. We're ready. It's time. Let's go. Every generation believes that the end is near. But can I tell you, there are some things that have happened in our generation that really, truly say there is nothing standing in the way of Christ's return. I, I study the Bible. That's what I do. I study the prophecies. I understand what it says about things that have to happen before Jesus returns. And can I tell you, there were always a couple of things that were there, that even as, I, as a child growing up in the church, I'd go, that's not happening yet. That hasn't happened yet. And one of those is found right here in Matthew 24. And it's verse 14, where Jesus said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached into the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, that word nations really speaks of people groups. How many know that in some countries there are multiple people groups, right? It's like around here, around here we have... 
Carolinians, people who've moved to Carolina, Carolina. We've got rednecks. We've got, we've got it all, right? People groups. And in the past, we would have to send missionaries. We'd have to translate Bibles in new languages. We would have to discover how to get the word to them. But can I tell you, we live in a day now because of the internet, because of satellite technology. This is possible. And it's happening literally around the world. We are in nations now we never could even get into. We were in parts of the world you couldn't even get there. But we can get there through satellite technology and internet technology. Used to, we'd have to go build Bible colleges, you know, and train up leaders to do this. And now we can send them a, a, a little scan disk of, of, of uh, gigabytes of information that right there, the Bible school's right there on disk. So there are some things that the Bible talks about that really now we can see happening. There's also one that, that speaks about of the end days between the rapture and before Christ comes back to wrap it all up that talks about two prophets that are speaking out against the, uh, about the, the wickedness of the world and they're standing and they're, they're preaching and, and the Bible says they're slain. They're slain right there in the street and it says, and the whole world sees it. And I used to hear that and I'd say, well, how does the whole world see that? Well, now with satellite technology, guys, we see things happening instantaneously all around the world. So the question really is, when people say, well, Mike, are we there are, 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 we, is it, are we living in the end times? My answer is, could be. We could be. But the bigger question is, what do we do about it, right? What do we do with this? What do we do about the thought that Jesus could be returning soon? And for that, I want us to look in 2 Peter, because Peter really addresses this in a very unique way that I think is very, very straightforward into our lives today. So, so pick this up with me, 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 3. He says, above all, You must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. In other words, people are going to say, hey, y'all be quiet, church. Christians have no say. You know, don't tell us how to live. We don't need any moral guidance. And after all, we're going to to tell you that anything you say that is against us, we're going to call that hate speech, so you shouldn't have anything to say at all anyway. How many know we're already experiencing that somewhat? So in the last days, scoffers are going to come, and they will say, Where's this coming? He promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Where where is this coming? You know, growing up as a child of the 60s and 70s, it's interesting. This topic was something we would hear about quite often in church. We would take a lot of time talking about eternity. and, And then the 80s came in, and all of a sudden we became the me generation. The 90s came in and all that. And before long, what happened in church is we stop talking about things that are eternal, and all we want to talk about is how to have five easy steps to have a better marriage, or how to have better kids, or to have more success, or more money. And can I tell you something? We got away from a key element of the gospel, and that is Jesus Christ is going to return and take us to be with him forever. He says, verse 5, but they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being, and the earth was formed out of water, and by water, the creation story. God said, let it be, and it became. But these waters also, by these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. So the, the story of Noah, our kids all know that story. Science has proven it, which is really cool. But by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. And that's what we want to know about, right? When's that going to happen? What time is it? How much time do I have? But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. And the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. We all to exhale and go, praise God. 
Because it's the picture of our God who is long-suffering, the picture of our God who is patient, the picture of our God who wants everyone to be saved, and we can say with certainty that every person born in this world, God is destined to be saved. Now, we can choose to push him away, reject him, and say, I'm not going there, but he wants all to come to repentance. But if you're dead set on knowing when it's going to happen, he finishes with this verse, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. How many know it doesn't do us a whole lot of good to try to predict, right? Someone sent me, Scott sent me something yesterday. I didn't know this, but on uh, July 29th, it was all supposed to be done, according to a church in Oklahoma. Uh, I guess Oklahoma's been raptured. I'm not sure. Someone check it out later. But as far as I know, we're still here, right? Um, Predicting is not the issue. The issue is, what do we learn from this? So here's what I want you to write down. What are the signs of the end times? So what do we look at to say, what time is it? The first one in, in this scripture is this. People will be distracted with this life. People will be distracted with this life. People are not clued into the thoughts of eternity because they're too busy trying to make this life work. We're too busy trying to get over the top or make a living or we're too busy being involved in so much activity that we have no time to even stop and ponder the fact that God created us not for time but for eternity. And people will be distracted. And and you see it around us, you see it in us, and and it causes us to, to, to not focus on the very things God has called us to focus to. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 24. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what had happened until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. You say, well, Mike, that's great, but that's not me. That is somebody else. I, I get it. I'm not, I'm not that way. Well, let me ask you something. How much time do you focus on the thought of eternity in your life? And how much time do you focus on only what is here and now? You see, we want to know what time is it. Are we living in the last days? Here's an absolute fact I can tell every one of us. It is your last days because we have one life. It is your last days. We have one life. And the question is not, is Jesus going to return during my lifetime? The question is, am I going to be ready for his return? And I'm going to live a life that makes a difference here on this earth. Because life is short. My goodness, life is short. And that is not something you say as you get older. It's something you need to recognize right now. Life is short. 16 people close to my hometown in Texas went up in an air balloon yesterday to celebrate a birthday. Boom, fire, dead, done. Life's over. Probably that morning they weren't thinking life is short. James, the brother of Jesus, said it's like a vapor. And that wonderful season is going to come soon, hopefully, like October, where you walk out and you can see your breath in the morning and you can't even grasp it, but yet it's here and then it's gone. That's how the Bible describes this itty-bitty time and eternity that you and I live on this earth. So we need to be careful. Not only are we living just for this life. Listen, God wants us to enjoy this life. Don't miss that. There's so much amazing things he wants to do that. But remember, we are just passing through. This is not our home. We have eternity waiting on us. So the first thing is people be distracted. The second is this, and that is that people will forget God. People will forget God. There is a generation that will pull away from God. You say, well, Mike, well, what's happening? Is that, is that happening now? Is it happening in the world? And the answer to that is really kind of murky. Because there are parts of this world right now where Christianity is spreading like wildfire. 
There are parts of this world right now where we are seeing breakthrough that people prayed for for ages. Can I tell you today, 35,000 people today are coming to Christ in China, a country that literally throughout the missionary said, you have no place here and God is dead. 9.8% of their population, 1.3 billion people, are now Christians. That's more Christians than there are in the United States right now. Things are happening. But what about America? Talk about us. Because after all, don't you know the world revolves around America? Have y'all not figured that out? We are, I mean, forget Israel, right? No, right? But we, we kind of think that way, right? But what about America? Eh. Eh. You know, it's kind of like our own city. Why are we planting churches in our city? Because as many churches are blowing up and thousands of people are coming, that many are dying and falling away. And we got a net gain of zero. Zero. In our own city. But here's probably a better way to see this. I think this will probably relate more to the way a lot of you guys think. It really, you have to recognize that, that things are shifting, right? We, we all understand we're polarized. We understand we don't know what we believe anymore in America. But here's where generation is shifting. If you go back to the builder generation, uh, 1920, born 1927 to 1945. We got anybody in that generation? Let me see a hand here. 1927, 1945. Those were our parents. John, thank you. They're our parents, grandparents. Um, 65% of that generation identified themselves as Bible-believing, Bible-led, Bible-based believers, okay, 65%. Then the next generation, my generation, the baby boomers, right, born 1946 and 1964. Can I get a witness? Anybody? Thank you. I'm not alone. I'm right on the tail end, born 1963. Uh, 35% of us claim to be Bible-based believers, now, these are the folks that are kind of leading corporations, leading the nation right now, and, and we recognize that. Then there's the buster generation, 1965 to 1983, only 16% identify as Bible-based believers. Okay, now noticing a trend here? And then there's the generation that, that we are so trying to engage and so loving on, and that is the millennials. Born 1984 to present, I don't want to see your hands, that means you could be my kid, Okay. That's scary. 4%. 4% identify as Bible-based believers. Now, let me ask you a question. If our country is in the state that it is being led by people who claim that 35% of them believe in the Bible and, and serve God, what's it going to be like when it's led by those that are 4%? So you think about it, you say, is it happening? Yeah, I'd say it's happening. And that's why as a church we focus so much on our kids and our young people. You know what I said earlier about the age nine, I saw y'all's faces like, what? I mean, back in the day when I was a youth pastor, we claimed it was 14. It has changed that much in those years because society is changing. We're praying for people to get engaged in that ministry to our kids and engaged in our youth ministry. We're fixing to have a whole slew of kids coming out of elementary that need someone to work with them in those teenage years. But that's why we are praying for a building so we can do more discipleship and training and, and building people up. Why? Because it's important that we do what we do to reach this generation because we can't just go, oh, pfft. Well, good luck. I hope they finally figure it out someday. I had to laugh at myself a while ago. I grew up under a lot of preaching about the end times. And I'm so thankful that I can preach about it. I'm not angry at you. And I'm not mad about it. I'm like, please, Jesus, come. But until you come, Lord, let us be busy. And let us be active. And let us go after building this kingdom of God. Let us not be so distracted as trying to make this life work that we forget that God has called us to be ambassadors of him throughout our time. You see, guys, the reason it grows cold is this. Jesus said it in Matthew 24, because of the increase of wickedness, 
the love of most will grow cold. Now, I used to read that, and I think, well, yeah, there are more wicked things happening and more immoral things and all this. But you know what I really am learning to believe what it speaks of? It begins to speak of this because there's so much happening in our world with terrorism and wars and all that. What's happening is this. We don't engage with people anymore that we don't know. We can't trust them. We don't know who they are. So what do we do as Christians? We bunker down instead of going out and reaching out to the lost and broken around us and telling them that Jesus is the answer to their lives. Amen. That's good preaching, Pastor Mike. So the third thing, the third sign, people won't be ready. People just won't be ready when he comes. Jesus said it. He said in Matthew 24, two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding with the hand mill. One will be taken, the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. What time is it? I don't know. Could it be living in the last days? Maybe, yes, it's there. But here's the thing. We've got one life. We need to get busy. We need to make the most of it. And we need to do something that impacts the lives of others. First Thessalonians. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord is coming and will come like a thief in the night. Now, can I just say, this is just for my own doing. I, I wanted to go out on podcast. Won't you hear it too? For those that love forecasting, it's fun to forecast. Come on. Last year, we were like, blood moons. Oh, Jesus is coming. Right? You know? People are writing books. People are buying books. I mean, y- y'all are too young for this, but there was a time where there were 88 reasons Christ was coming back in 1988. Only to be followed up the next year with 89 reasons he was coming back in 89. The third year, 90 reasons come back in 1990. Finally, the guy gave up because people stopped buying his books. They finally got smart enough, right? Why is that? Because God is not going to tell us when he's coming back. He said, Jesus said this, but about the day or the hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Can I tell you, if God's going to tell anyone when Jesus is coming back, do you think he'd tell Jesus before he told us? Yeah. I get it. It's fun. Some of y'all are like, oh, we're going to Revelation. This is going to be awesome. And you're disappointed right now. Because we're not forecasting. We're living. We're living for God. Listen, gang, you need to know what time it is, but more important, you need to know what you should be doing. So that's what I want to focus on the closing of this message this morning is what should I do? What should I do about this? In the, in the book of First Chronicles, it talked about some men called the men of Issachar. And it said they knew, they, they knew the season they were living. They understood the times, and they knew what to do. And that's what, church, that's what we need to be focusing on is if we understand the times, what should we be doing? And the Bible doesn't say a lot about what the last day will be, but it does say a lot about how we should be living, knowing that our last day is drawing near. So we do need to know the age we're living in. I I believe that. But we also need to be focused on what we should be doing. So how do we do that? I'm going to just go straight verse by verse, back in that same epistle that Peter, uh, the apostle, wrote it. Go to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, It really starts out encouraging. It says, the end of all things is near. (laughs) Well, it was for Peter, and he believed that, he knew that, because he was going to die shortly after writing this epistle. He says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, there's four things. He said, there's four things. Therefore, four things we should be doing, so if you're taking notes, that we should do because we know the time. He said, number one, be alert. Be of sober mind so that you may pray. So we need to think clearly. We need to think clearly about our lives, about what's happening around us, and about our time, right? Right? We need to be spending more time praying to God than talking about Donald or Hillary. That's about as political as we get at Hope Church. We need to spend less time bashing people on Facebook and encouraging people with the love of Jesus Christ. 
Just a thought. I might start preaching in a minute. We need to know our times. So clear thinking is the, is the centerpiece of this. And can I tell you, prayer is what gives us clear thinking. Coming to God and saying, God, I don't understand. God, I don't know what to do. God, I'm, I'm concerned about this. God gives us clear thinking because clear thinking takes us and gets our eyes off of the physical and brings them to the eternal. Because there's an eternal realm that is so much more real than even what we call material realm here. If, if our eyes were only open like the Old Testament prophets and see the angels and all that's going on around us, we'd be overwhelmed. But I can tell you, prayer takes us there and allows us to see that God is working out his plan and he is planning on sending his son Jesus Christ to come back and get his bride. But in the meantime, we need to think clearly about how we live. It's amazing. Latest study in America, right? 62% believe in the second coming of Christ, but less than 8% are living for him. That makes no sense at all to me. He's coming back, but yeah, well, we'll just see. You know, it's interesting, just side note here, and give me just a little bit of leverage here on this. Paul, Paul addressed this to the church in Philippi. If you notice how the Bible doesn't get mad at the ones that are lost in the world, the Bible speaks to the church. And Paul spoke to the church of Philippi in Philippians 3.18. He says, For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, picture him, he's crying, he's writing this letter, he's so broken up about it, to the church, he says, because many of you live as enemies of the cross of Christ. You say you're a Christian, but you're not acting like it. You go out with the bumper sticker, but you're not living like it. it has any effect in your life. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and the glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, I love this, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. What he's saying is, so much of the things we struggle with and we focus on and we spend time worrying about, he says, I got it covered. <laughs> These old things are, are not going to be where eternity is found. He says we will transform our lowly bodies into his glorious body. Listen, what that says is simply this. Wear this life like a loose garment. Don't get so attached to it because we're just passing through. We're citizens of heaven. So we need to think clearly, but we also need to think about this. He says if we're going to focus on anything, let's focus on relationships. Let's focus on relationships. First Peter 4 says, above all, Love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to another without grumbling. What is he saying? He says, get your people issues straight. Get your people issues straight. That's why when Jesus was teaching on prayer, he said, listen, if you come to pray and you've got trouble between you and somebody else, go. Go fix it. Go fix it. Because if you can't forgive them, but I, I, can't even, I can't even forgive you. And you know why that is? Because there is one thing on this earth that is eternal, and you're sitting next to it right now, and that is humans, people. Can I tell you, sir, your business is going to burn up someday. That home you're building, it's not going to be here forever. That trophy you're trying to seek, that gold watch of retirement, means nothing. If I've learned anything on this earth, what you can spend your time building, man, can take away like that. But can I tell you what's going to last is you and I. We are eternal, 
And we need to see people as that way. We need to recognize there's eternal destiny to everyone we come in contact with. And when you start talking bad about your neighbor, you start slamming a, a candidate or whatever, you're talking about somebody who needs Jesus Christ. They're eternal beings. And he says we need to get our people issues right because people are the only thing that lasts forever. And that's why at Hope we believe in community groups. You're going to be hearing a lot about that in the next few weeks because we're going to be ramping back up for the fall because we need people in our lives. We need Christians in our lives. We need people to hold us accountable and lead us with encouragement forward. I posted this week uh, on Twitter a verse out of Romans, and it was just in my heart. And it said, when I come to you, I want to encourage your faith. That's what I do as a pastor. I miss being here the last couple of weeks. But it also says, but I also want to be encouraged by your faith. Well, that kind of gives that relationship, doesn't it? We need each other. We need to be encouraging each other. So we need to focus on people. The third thing we need to do is this. We should make a difference. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you receive to serve others. The gifts God gave us, and listen, don't sit there and say, Well, I'm not gifted. Every one of us is gifted. And God has gifted us uniquely, but can I tell you, He gifted you for other reasons just to make money and have a career. Those same things that make you good at what you do are the same things that are needed to be ministry to others. Why? Because it's faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. What he means is this. God has grace for everybody. God has grace for everybody, and he wants to use you and I as vehicles of that grace. He has grace for everybody, but he says you're the ones that's going to flow through. He doesn't send angels to do it. He sends you and I to serve kids, to lead others in worship, to teach the word, to be hospitable, to give generously. All these things, he says, do this as under the Lord. Verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. <laughs> that, that, that is one that just sobers me because I've been given the privilege of doing this. That's why I don't share my opinion. I want the word of God out there. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. You see, we want to help you find your gift. We want to help you engage. We say that hope exists for you to encounter God, number one, because everybody needs to know our Father. We want you to experience hope because this life has a way of beating you down and taking things away from you. We want you to find hope. But we also want you to engage in mission and we're committed to help you do that. In fact, next Sunday, class 101, right after service, I'll be teaching it. Sign up. We'd love to have you there because we want to help you find your gift. Why? Because we're living in days that are amazing. On one hand, it looks like the world's going to hell in a handbasket. On the other hand, we're seeing God breaking out and doing things we can only imagine. Listen to this. More people have come to Christ in the last 10 years than the previous 2,000 years of this earth. Islam, which was founded back in 700 A.D., for almost 1,300 years, you didn't hear of anything moving in Islam where people were coming to Christ. But check this out. Seven million Muslims are converting to Christianity yearly in the last 12 years. It's a great time to live. We're planting churches like crazy in the U.S. and around the world. Why? Because we're trying to reach this generation. So what do we do? We make the most of these days because to whom much is given. Finish that verse for me, somebody. You just thought that was from Superman, didn't you? Or Spider-Man or whatever it was. It's from the Bible. Too much is given, much is required. And then lastly, and here we wrap it up. I should receive God's grace. If I really believe Jesus Christ is coming back soon, I should receive his grace. Because salvation is not something we earn. It's not something we deserve. It's something he gives us as a gift. 2 Peter 3, it's kind of long. Let me read this to you. It says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? 
What kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destructions of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with wisdom that that God gave him. I'm going to skip the next verse. It just talks about his letters. Pick it up in verse 17. Therefore, dear friends, since you've been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. What day are we living in? Could Jesus Christ be coming back soon? Could be. Kind of looks like he could. Are, are these the last days they offer you and I? We've got one life. So the question is, what should we be doing that we're not? And for some, this morning, it's very, it's very simple. And I pray that this message would just stir something and say, I'm gifted. God's put some stuff in me. I need to use that in his kingdom. I need to use that to build someone else's kingdom besides my own. I'm a kid magnet. Why am I not back helping kids? I'm, I'm, I, I can sing, or I can teach, or I can lead, or I can help. I can have mercy. I can, I can fix things. Whatever it may be, do it all as unto the Lord. For others, I, I hope it spurs that we ought to be thinking clearly. We need to pray. My prayers have changed a whole lot in these last days. I was walking down the street the other day. I was praying about something like, God, here it is, but I can't do anything about that. God, this is happening, but I can't do anything about that. God, that is happening, but I can't do anything about that. God, I'm so glad you can. My eyes are on you. My eyes are on you. And then for some here today or maybe listening on podcasts, I, I, I would be like Paul in tears and begging you, receive the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because you see, here's the deal. There's not always going to be opportunity. There's just not. He says... He's coming back like a thief in the night. That, that, that example he gave, two people lying in bed, and one's like, good to go. The other's like, what? What? So I want you to close your eyes. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to just listen to this last verse. I know I threw a lot of Scripture, and that's the problem when your pastor goes on vacation. He wants to get it all in in one day. Isaiah 55. Just listen to this. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. So you're not going to always have a chance. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon.